My name is Grant. I'm one of the pastors here at H2O. I've been out of the country for the past uh, about two months in Honduras, uh, leading a program that we call Leadership Training. And uh, we're part of this big network of college churches across the country called the Collegiate Church Network. And so every summer, uh, we come together and put on several different leadership trainings at different locations around the world. And so uh, Cassie and I got the opportunity to lead the one down in Choloteca, Honduras, this summer, which was an amazing experience. Uh, neither of us had ever been there before, and uh, God definitely taught us a lot uh, through just everything that happened down there. But basically, to give you a gist of what the program is, um, the, the idea is we have a, a partner church down in Choloteca, Honduras. We're also partnered with some churches all throughout Latin America, and uh, this church is doing some amazing things uh, to just care for the city of Choloteca. And so our goal was just uh, to, to get in with them and to learn from them and to help them in all the different ministries that they're doing. And then we also wanted to help uh, continue to build the kingdom of God in Honduras. So one of the other things that we got to do was teach English courses at the local university as a means of trying to uh, outreach to people there. So it was an awesome experience. Uh, this sermon is, is going to be a little bit different from what my traditional sermons are. You know, I'm not going to have kind of one main text that, that I... Uh, work through, but rather I, I have five major lessons that I learned in Honduras that I want to walk through with you. And uh, each of these lessons, though, are rooted in Scripture. So uh, what I hope to happen this morning is I'm going to share some Scripture with you, and then I'm going to show how that actually played out in real life in Honduras. So I'm hoping that this will be uh, helpful for you, especially if you're trying to see how uh, biblical principles or biblical teachings relate to your life. I'm going to give you a lot of uh, opportunity to, to directly see how God said something in his word and then how it played out uh, in our experiences there. So sound good? You guys excited? All right, cool. Um, all right, well, let, let's, let's pray then and ask the Lord to, to be here with us. Um, God, you are uh, so awesome. Lord, it's, it's such a blessing to just be able to sing your praise. Thank you for uh, this family that you've made, uh, this group of people that um, you have knit together. God, that you have made us brothers and sisters because uh, you said that as many as have faith in, in in Christ, that we get the opportunity to become the children of God. And Lord, what a privilege that is. I, I thank you, God. I thank you that I'm your son. And thank you that uh, those who know you here are, are sons and daughters of the King. Father, we pray that um, you would speak to us this morning. God, you, you love us so much. We thank you that you communicate with us. We thank you that you pursue us. Lord, even as we were just singing your love to the world, it can look reckless, but um, God, in, in reality, your love, you knew exactly what you were doing in choosing to send your son to die for us and, and to bring us back to you. So Lord, we thank you uh, for that. We pray that you would clear our minds of any sort of distractions, um, any anxiety that we have, Lord, I pray would leave and that uh, you would just open our hearts and our minds, our ears to receive everything that you have for us this morning. Work in us, Lord, and, and let us respond in a way that pleases, to, that pleases you. Um, we love you so much, God, and we pray this in your son's awesome name. Amen. All right. Um, so, yeah, like I said, I, I kind of have divided this into five different major lessons 
that I learned in Honduras. And uh, the first lesson that God taught me while I was there is that he works in our weakness. And by the way, a lot of these lessons, they're, they're not going to be profound, uh, new theological truths. But I've noticed as a Christian that uh, most growth happens not just from learning a new concept, but from actually experiencing the truth of, of, of many concepts that you've already learned. And so a lot of these things that I'm going to be sharing with you this morning are things that I could have told you from the scripture. Oh yeah, I know that's true. Um, but they're, they're things that God showed me on a deeper level as I was there, and I got to experience how it was true. And so when I say that, that God uh, taught me that he works in our weakness, uh, just to give you an idea of how weak I was going into Honduras, first off, I'm unable to speak Spanish. So they asked me to lead this program. I don't speak Spanish pretty much at all. I took three years when I was in school, but I forgot all of it and I had bad teachers. So uh, <laughs> I was like, okay, I, I know no Spanish. I don't really have that much interest in learning the language. Thankfully, I'm married to a woman that speaks Spanish. Um, but anyway, okay, so, so I have that problem. Um, I was unable to communicate with anyone by phone. Our, our phones, of course, don't work uh, once you get down there. Our internet went out pretty much right once we got down there as well. Uh, so it made it almost impossible for me to use my phone to communicate with anyone, not just here in the United States, but even like, you know, if I meet people, people here on the campus in the United States, a lot of time I'll get their phone number and I'll text them to follow up and we'll hang out or something. Well, that wasn't really an option for me here because my communication was poor. Um, I wasn't really able to drive anywhere. So uh, the only option for driving in Honduras, you have to be able to drive a stick shift, which I don't do very well. Um, and you better be good at it if you're going to try in Honduras because the traffic is pretty crazy. Um, people don't really obey traffic laws. There's uh, potholes everywhere, and there's also dogs that are constantly running in and out of the streets. Um, so it's kind of just a, a crazy experience driving around down there, so I don't really have the ability to, to move around the way that I want to. It's not really safe to walk around in the area where we were. Uh, and then also my credit card kept getting shut down uh, once we got there. Even though I had warned the bank several times that I was going down there, it doesn't matter how many times I tell them, they always shut it down when something like this happens. And of course, my phone doesn't work, so I can't call them to turn the card back on, and all, all sorts of things like that. And I'm responsible for paying for everything for 14 people. Uh, so you, you get a, a glimpse of kind of the, the weakness that I'm starting to experience down there, that at least the first couple days. Now, a lot of those things got worked out. My credit card got working again, and, and I did, I, I was able to get a phone that was able to work. Um, but I, I sensed very acutely as soon as we got there how weak and uh, really unequipped I was to, to do virtually anything that was productive in this country, um, which was so different from my experience in the United States. Uh, I'm very used to being able to operate in my own strength here. I'm able to communicate with people with ease. My phone is always working, even if I don't pay attention to it. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm able to buy things when I want, and I can get in the car and drive somewhere, wherever I want to, and uh, all of those things were different, and so while this was intensely frustrating in a lot of ways, I also think that it was a massive blessing, because I, I believe that one of the major things God wanted to do in my life was teach me that he's strong in my weakness, and he wanted to teach me to trust him to do things rather than just trying to do everything on my own, and so this reminded me of the Apostle Paul and what he wrote in 2 Corinthians 12, uh, I, I didn't get a thorn in the flesh, the same kind of affliction that Paul had, but the, the concept still holds, and God being strong in our weakness. Paul wrote this. He said, Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. 
That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So I've known that passage for a long time, but I felt like I got to experience the reality of it a little bit more while I was here. Because I I realized, okay, okay, God, I, I actually need you to be strong in my weakness. You know, I'm down here for the next two months. I hope that something good happens. I hope that I'm able to make some sort of investment in people. I hope that I'm able to grow in some way. But if that happens, you're going to have to make it happen because I literally have just about no means of being able to do so. And uh, it, it was really cool because God totally worked through my weakness. Um, he, he, he knew the people that he wanted me to invest in, and he sent people my way uh, that, that I never would have been able to find on my own. There were actually uh, just a, a couple of these people uh, were really good English speakers that God ended up connecting with. I have no idea why they were drawn to me. Um, I didn't do anything special, but I got the opportunity to invest deeply in a couple of the guys down there. Uh, one of which, his name's Diego. He's, you can't see these pictures very well, but... If you could, I'm baptizing somebody right here, um, which is a middle school kid. His name was Diego, and uh, God had been doing some really cool stuff in his life and in his sister's life, and uh, for whatever reason, he just kind of attached himself to me, and I got the opportunity to uh, speak to him a lot and and, uh, help guide him closer to the Lord. There was also a kid named Eduardo, which is, so this is his whole family here. He's the one on the your, yeah, your, the left, if you're looking at it. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, this, this guy is, he's 15 years old, and uh, he absolutely loved spending time with our mission team. Uh, he lived in the same neighborhood that we did, and he tried to spend as much time with us as he possibly could. Um, he doesn't have a dad. By the way, neither of these guys have dads at home. Uh, Diego, his father, abandoned the family when they were young. Eduardo's father had, didn't abandon the family, but he works in the United States, so uh, he spends long stretches of time away. So you, you'll actually notice in Honduras, I would say a huge percentage of the people that we, we talked with didn't have a father in the home. Um, and so Eduardo just attached himself to us, and uh, I got to invest really deeply in this kid. Uh, and I, said, I don't know why he was so drawn to our group and, and why he was specifically drawn to me in a lot of ways, um, but... I would say it's just, hey, I prayed that the Lord would send me somebody that I could invest in, and sure enough, he did. I, as a matter of fact, I have it in my prayer journal, journal here. Uh, one of the first days we were there, I just said, Lord, like, I, I pray that you'll lead me specifically to somebody that I can lead to you. And uh, I, I was expecting that to be like, okay, I'm going to introduce somebody to Christ. But actually, I think that the person that God answered that prayer with was Eduardo. Um, Eduardo already knew the Lord. He'd become a Christian about two years ago because of the school that he went to. It was the first time he'd ever heard the gospel. Um, but over the time that I got to invest in him, uh, we also started to get reaching his family. So his mom and his brother there, neither one of them know the Lord, neither one of them were involved in church. Uh, by the end of the time that they were with us, they were going to church every week, and they really, really loved hanging out with us in the mission team. Um, Eduardo actually got to lead someone to the Lord as well. So uh, even though I didn't personally get to do that, one of the guys that I was investing in uh, ended up leading someone to Christ for the first time. And uh, he also started reading the Bible uh, really seriously for the first time when we were down there too. He came to the university with me one day. And I was just like, Eduardo, I want to teach you how to, to read the Bible. And so we got together and we started picking apart the Gospel of John. Uh, and he, he started to develop a love for the Scripture. 
Um, and also, he, he shared his testimony with us, which is something that he had never really done before. Uh, each week, we would have group time where we would get together, we would study this book, Experiencing God, and then people would sh- a different person from the group would share their testimony. And so Eduardo got the opportunity to share that with us, too. So he's growing like crazy. Um, none of his, his family knows the Lord yet. His dad actually just came back to Honduras, I think, a day or two ago. And uh, he's going to talk to his parents about getting baptized, which he's nervous about because they're... they're marginally Catholic, but not really functioning in any religion. Um, but he's, he's taken steps of obedience with the Lord. So that was really, really cool to see that, that God sent me these guys, even though I didn't really do anything in particular to go find them, or I, I had no ability to do that. The Lord just kind of brought them our way. So uh, the, the next thing that God taught me was that God speaks to his people. And uh, this is something that God has really started drilling into me months before uh, we went to Honduras, but it, it started to click and, and grow a lot. The, the, the roots grew a lot deeper as I was there. Um, as I mentioned, the book that we read together this summer was called Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby. It's kind of <clears throat> a Christian classic. It's been around for a while. But uh, it, it focuses all on just knowing and doing the will of God. You know, So how do we know what God is actually saying to us and how do we respond to that? And uh, I, I chose this book for us to read together because I knew that that was something God was teaching me, and I thought it'd be a great thing for us to grow together and, as a group. Um, I've always, to be honest, been a little bit skeptical about the whole like hearing from God thing. Um, I've, I've heard people tell them all sorts of things that they said God said to them and that I know God did not say to them. Uh, you know, I remember being in college, oh, the, the girl would tell me, God told me I'm going to marry this guy. Well, no, he didn't, because they didn't marry each other. Um, <clears throat> you know, like, just, just different things like that, where I would see people kind of flippantly use this idea where whatever their desire was, all of a sudden it was, God told me thus. Um, and I knew that the Bible spoke really strongly against false prophets. Uh, and, and so I took it very seriously to say, okay, well, I don't want to say that the Lord has told me something that he hasn't said. Uh, but at, at the same time, I think that what that did was create in me an overreaction to the other side where I, I really had no faith or expectation that God wanted to speak to me on an individual level. And so I, I would kind of just say, like, yeah, God has spoken to us in his word. Like, that's his word to me. That's definitely good and true. And, but, but that's it. And God is always going to speak in line with his word. I don't want you to understand me. He's not going to give you some crazy new thing that changes the gospel or anything like that. But God does guide his people, okay? And that's one of the things that he's been showing me. As I've been going through the Bible this year, I'm underlining every time that I see it say um, that God spoke, okay? And it's, I mean, it's crazy how many times we see God said this, God said this, God said this, right? I just read uh, the story of the 10 plagues in Exodus. And before every single plague, it starts by saying, the Lord said to Moses, okay? And I think that sometimes we just skip over that, but we realize we serve a God that speaks to his people. Like, this is within his character. Who was it that told Abraham to go, like, leave the land of, uh, that he was born in? The, the Lord told him to. Like, the, the Lord says, go, I'm, I'm going to tell you to do this. Uh, who, who told Joshua to be strong and courageous and going and, t- and taking the promised land? The Lord was the one that, that told him to do that. How about, uh, who, who told the apostle Peter to go to Cornelius' house and share the gospel with them? I have the account here, Acts 10, 19 to 20. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, the Spirit, which is God, Simon, three men are looking for you, so, go, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Who was it that told Peter that he should go and preach the gospel to the Gentiles? 
The Lord did. The Lord spoke that to Peter. What about the Apostle Paul? We read here in uh, Acts chapter 16. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. Excuse me. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. We see this rhythm over and over and over again, that God speaks to his people. And, and, and I, I was really shortchanging a lot of my growth and really neglecting the fact that God actually wants to guide me with his Holy Spirit. And by the way, if you don't like those examples because they were the patriarchs or because it's the apostles, how about a normal guy like Stephen? Stephen wasn't an apostle. He was simply a guy uh, that he was described as being full of the Spirit. Okay, if you're a Christian, that should be you. When you become a Christian, you receive the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit guides us and helps us know what to do and what to say. Look at what happened with Stephen here in Acts chapter 6. Now Stephen a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. Opposition arose, however, from members of the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the provinces of Cilicia and Asia, who began to argue with Stephen. But they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. Who gave him his wisdom as he spoke? The Spirit, right? And when did he give it to him? As he spoke, it doesn't say the wisdom that Stephen had from all this time that he'd studied the scriptures. Now, I'm sure that the Spirit worked off of that. I'm not saying that there's not a value there. But what I I had neglected for so long in my walk with the Lord is the fact that God actually does want to speak to me and to guide me. That the Spirit is given to us as a counselor. That's one of the things that he's called. And so what I would do oftentimes uh, is, is when I get some sort of a prompting, just say, well, now nah, that's just some thought that I have in my own head and neglect the fact that I'm ignoring the fact that every time, it doesn't matter where I open up to in the Bible, God's speaking to somebody. Why, why would I expect that he's no longer speaking to his people, that, that his Holy Spirit dwells within? And, and so I think that some of this, like I said, my, it was an overreaction to fear. It was, oh my goodness, there's no control. How do you know if God actually said this? People have abused this, all this kind of stuff. I'm not saying that this is necessarily an easy thing. One thing that will help you know if the Lord is speaking to you is to be grounded in the scripture. To know, is this his character and what he's speaking to us? Uh, to have a, a rich prayer life, to have other people that can speak into your life and help you discern if, what he, if you're actually hearing correctly what he's saying. But I think that we commit a great error if we neglect the fact that God may actually want to guide us on an individual level. And so this summer, I made an effort to really take time to listen with faith. Uh, really for one of the first times in my life, to, to pray and to ask God questions and, and to listen patiently and, and, and wait for him to actually give me an answer. Um, and, and honestly, the, the time in some ways is the easier part. The faith is the harder part. Um, if you don't believe that God is actually going to speak to you, it becomes very hard to hear him. But uh, I could give you several examples of how God prompted me to do things over the summer, but I, I will share just one story with you, and I'll save it another one for later. <clears throat> but uh, 
Sometimes God speaks to us about new things. It gives you a new idea, right? He, he tells uh, Peter, go get up, preach the gospel, uh, go with these guys to Cornelius' house. But I believe that he can also do things where he reminds us of things that we've neglected, things that we've forgotten about. And so the first weekend that we were in Honduras, we uh, went out to the beach. And uh, when I say beach, it's not what you're thinking of. Um, it's, it's not a nice beach. It's filled with trash. Uh, the water is really filthy, broken glass and beer bottles everywhere. There's literally pigs roaming around the beach, eating up all the trash. Like that, that's what I mean when I say beach there. Um, but uh, we kind of posted up at this big, uh, this restaurant that had this big porch that extended out onto the beach. And uh, the restaurant owners, their kids came out and they were excited to see, we're gringos by the way, so if I use the term gringos, it means white people. Um, so they, they were excited to come out and see the gringos. There's not that many of them down in this area, even though it's such a nice beach. Um, and uh, so they, they'd come out and they started playing with us. And uh, Emily Broncoma, some of you guys know her, she was on our team. And uh, she was one of the few Spanish speakers that we had. Kid, she's like a kid magnet. Like wherever she is, kids just flock to her. Um, and so she, she sits down and starts uh, sharing the gospel with these two kids that had come out to see us. And they had never heard the gospel before. And uh, so she, she prays with them to receive Christ. And uh, I have no idea what's going on to, throughout all this time. She's like, hey, those two girls over there just received Christ. It's like, okay, that's awesome. Um, and so, so, so we out, we're out there. We have this, this great day with them. And we're thinking, okay, these girls, uh, they, they've accepted Christ. They, they need a means to be able to grow. Well, they don't have Bibles there. And, and it's weird for us to think that someone doesn't have access to the Scripture, right? Because we all have it on our phones. I've got like... 15 Bibles in my house, probably. Um, but, but here, you know, a lot of people don't have smartphones. A lot of people don't have internet. A lot of people don't even have a, a access to a paper copy of the Bible. So they had no means of, of accessing the scriptures. And so we decided as a team, like, we, we need to come back here and deliver Bibles to these girls. But as we got back to Choloteca, this beach was about an hour away. Uh, we just got busy with a bunch of different stuff going on, and we kind of forgot about everything that, that had happened there. Um, and so the last week, the, at the beginning of our last week, we went up to uh, this beautiful mountain town called San Marcos. And uh, we hiked, hiked up to the top of this mountain and had this just some awesome quiet time with God. And uh, I was asking the Lord just like if there was anything else that, that he wanted us to do in our time in Honduras. And uh, what, what he did, he, he brought back to mind, he's like, you need to go back and deliver Bibles to those girls that you met the first weekend. It's like, oh, that's right. Like, we, we didn't do that. We, we need to. And so we come back together, and someone else told me the same thing. Like, yeah, I was thinking about that too. Like, we, we've got to go do that. And so we're like, okay, we set a date that we were going to go do it. It was the last full day that we were in Honduras. We decided we were going to buy some Bibles, which we had to find first, and then we were going to go drive them out to the beach. Because it's not like you can just mail them. Mail doesn't really exist there. There's no addresses in Honduras, by the way. Um, so... Anyway, uh, we, we, we get these Bibles, and the last day, uh, a, a couple of us go out and deliver them. And it just so happened to be one of the young girls, whose na- the two girls that accepted Christ, their names were Nairobi and uh, Dulce. And it happened to be Nairobi's birthday. She's the one right there in the, see the kid in the blue shirt? She's in the red, kind of right in the middle above her, above him. But uh, it, it just so happened to be her birthday, the day that we came back out there to deliver the Bibles. And so, I don't know, I just thought that was kind of a cool, like, God's timing thing. I mean, the, the more important thing was he reminded us that was something we need to go and do. Um, but the other cool thing was, like, man, what an awesome birthday gift. Like, I hope that this is a birthday gift that will have a, a bigger impact on our life than, than anything else she's ever received. Um, 
so yeah, that, that, was, that was really cool. God speaks to his people. All right, the, the third lesson that I learned is that you need to respond on time when God tells you to do something. So I, I know for me, sometimes because of my skepticism, uh, if I do believe that God has given me a prompting, I'm just, I drag my feet in obedience. Um, and that's, that's not really something that you can always afford to do, okay? So I, as I was thinking about what scripture I wanted to share related to this, I thought of uh, Joseph, the husband of Mary, Jesus' mother. And um, I thought about uh, the way that it was very important that he responded immediately to something that God told him. So if you don't know the story, when Jesus was born, there were these magi that came from a long way away to, to visit him and to worship him, the gold, frankincense, and myrrh guys, right? Um, and King Herod, who was the, the king over that region, uh, knew that they were, he, he knew that they were coming, and uh, they told him that they were coming to worship this king. Well, Herod was paranoid and power hungry, and so uh, he's like, hey, when you find him, like, come back and tell me so I can worship also, but the Magi were on to what he was doing, and they're like, no, we, we shouldn't do that, so they, they deceived him and, and didn't go back, but Herod got really angry, and he's like, well, I don't want this newborn king, Messiah, whoever he is that people are excited about to take power from me someday. So I'm just going to kill all the baby boys in the area of Bethlehem that are two years old and younger. And so Herod goes and, and sends people out to slaughter all of these babies. Before this happens, though, God warned Joseph and told him, you need to get out of Bethlehem. We see this in Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. When they had gone, an angel of the, that's the Magi, when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. Now, what if Joseph had been like, well, wait, that was a weird dream. I need to like, I need to just wait and process this a little bit more. I mean, he couldn't afford to do that, right? Like it says that he literally got up in the night and took his family and moved from Bethlehem to Egypt, which is not easy in those days, by the way. They probably had to go around on a donkey. It's not like they just hopped in the minivan. Um, but but, but it, was, it was that important. The Lord spoke to Joseph. He knew that the Lord spoke to him. And he said, I'm going to respond to what you say immediately. And if he hadn't, I mean, I'm sure God would have worked something. I don't know what God would have done. But Jesus could have been killed as, as a baby there. Like, it, it's, a, it's amazing to think like, how significant it was that Joseph was immediately responsive to what God told him to do right then. Now, every word that God gives you might not be an urgent one, okay? Like, the, the word that God gave Joseph was, get up, you need to go do this right now. There might be other things that he tells you that, that it, it's just something that needs to get done, but it may not have to happen right that second, okay? Uh, when, when God spoke to me about the, the Bibles needing to be delivered, I don't, he didn't tell me, you need to go down off the mountain and drive to, what was the name of the place? Lasania, whatever it was. Uh, right now, Lasania, I don't know what it was called. Um, what was it? Uh, Playa del Cedeno. Um, and, and drive there right now, Okay. But, but he made me know that this is something you need to do before you leave Honduras. Uh, and, and, however, and sometimes he, he lets you know, no, this is something that you need to do right now. And so an instance where this happened to me over this summer was, uh, it was our last day of teaching at the university. We got to teach our own English class on Fridays. We would help the other English teachers throughout the week, and then Fridays we got to do our own lessons and everything. And uh, we would teach one class in the morning, then we'd have a lunch break, and then we'd teach another class in the afternoon. 
And so during our lunch break, it was, our time was winding down, and I was trying to finish this book. And so uh, I went to the library during our lunch break, and I was probably like two pages away from finishing a chapter. So those of you that are like really particular about things, like this is going to bother you that I didn't finish the chapter in time. But I'm about two pages away from finishing the chapter. Class starts probably in like five or ten minutes. I'm like, perfect. I'm going to have just enough time to finish the chapter before and then, and then get off to class in time. But as I'm reading, uh, for whatever reason, God like gives me this strong prompting that I like right now I need to pray that we're going to have the opportunity to share the gospel in the class that afternoon. Like, he, he brought it to my attention that uh, even though we had done a lot with building relationships, we just had an outreach night the night before, which had gone really well, all this other stuff. Uh, I had gotten to share the gospel with people outside of the class, different things. But in our actual class time, we had never actually spoken about Jesus. Not, not really very seriously. We had never really gotten into the gospel with people. And uh, for whatever reason, the Lord was prompting me right then. He's like, Grant, you need to do this. I was like, okay, cool. I'll do it once I finish the chapter. And he's like, no, like, you need to do this right now. And I was like, okay, I made a commitment that I'm going to respond to God when he tells me to do something. So I put the book down, don't finish the chapter, and start praying earnestly that God will give us the chance to share the gospel in the class today. You know, otherwise I would have just thrown up a token prayer as soon as I had finished the chapter and kind of just gone about my day the way I wanted to. So I stopped, it's only five, ten minutes before class. I spend the rest of the time praying that, that God's going to give us this opportunity. I kid you not, um, as I walk into the class, it's like right at one o'clock and there's almost no one there because this is Honduras and nothing starts on time. Um, I, I walk into the class and Ethan Carly is sitting there sharing the gospel with somebody. <laughs> like, I, I have little doubt. It was, it, the, I, God prompted me to pray so close to the time of when the class started that I have no doubt that he prompted me to pray probably right as or right before Ethan started sharing the gospel with this girl. Like, it, was, it was incredible. I'd never felt a compulsion to pray that specifically, that urgently for, for a matter there. And it was like, it, it was amazing. It, it blew my mind in what God was doing. One, and how faithful he's being to answering the prayer that quickly. Uh, but two, it, it showed me just so, it, it gave me a deeper understanding of how to pray God's will, right? Like God even gave me the thing to pray a prayer is such a mystery. I still don't understand. I'm a pastor. I still don't understand it, to be honest. But like, uh, the, the, he, he gave me the thing to pray, and he was going to be the one to make the thing work anyway, but still, like, for whatever reason, he wanted me to be interceding for this situation. Um, and, and, and so that, that was amazing, right? It gave me a deeper understanding of obedience, that yes, it is actually important that you do something right when God tells you to do something especially if he tells you to do it right then. Uh, it gave me a deeper understanding of how building God's kingdom is a team effort. Um, a lot of the time, I, I only have value in the things that can be seen, right? Like, the, the guy sharing the gospel is the one that's the really important one, right? And I think that oftentimes I've undervalued how significant it is that there are other people that are praying for the, the gospel to move forward and for God's kingdom to go. And, and, and I think that God was showing me how much of a team effort it is that we are as a church working together to build his kingdom, and that, that in this situation, he wanted me to be the one that prays, and he wanted Ethan to be the one that shares. And so then uh, the other cool thing that happened, too, was not only, like, God already answered the prayer before I even walked into the classroom. And so then, kind of what I usually do if, if someone's in a good conversation is I'll kind of what I do is throw blocks. Uh, you do this at Beach Reach all the time, uh, where you try to not get other people to distract the conversation. So I go over and I start trying to talk to the few other students that were actually there on time. And uh, 
Except the problem is I can't really talk to them because I don't speak Spanish. And their English was bad. Uh, like really bad. I expected their English to be way better than it was. Um, so I sit there and I guess I just, I just try my hand at my awful Spanish. Uh, but it's funny. Like everyone's having a good time because I'm making grammar mistakes left and right. Um, and so, <laughs> but, but it, it's breaking down people's inhibitions. And, and it, it was some of the most authentic conversation that we were able to have. And Cassie was there to where... If there was a word I didn't know, I could ask her, but I would otherwise continue on in my broken Spanish. Um, and so now we started getting into, you know, who are you really? And we, then we started getting to talk about God. And so God answers this prayer in abundance where not only does the, Ethan share the gospel with this girl, but now we're getting to talk about Christ over here with this group. And it was just really cool. Like God gave me the prayer and he answered it. Like it was just all, all glory to him. It was amazing to see uh, the way that that worked. And, and in many ways that was because like, it showed me how important it is that if God tells you to do something, you need to do it right then. Uh, the fourth lesson that I learned was that you need to trust God and expect him to work, okay? Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. When I met, the version that I memorized that in actually says, and he will direct your paths. And there's a marginal note in the NIV that says it could also be translated that way. I don't know what the difference is, um, but, but regardless, the, they're getting somewhat at the same idea, which is uh, if you trust God, he's going to accompany you either by making your path straight or by directing your path. He's going to be with you in this process as you trust him. Um, and what I do know is true is that as you trust in God, he's able to make things possible that you would think are otherwise impossible. Um, sometimes you have to just take a risk and try something that you believe he's telling you to do, even if you can't really see a way that you actually know it's going to work. Um, in Honduras, I was frustrated by my inability to speak with people. Um, I, as I said, I thought that the students I was teaching were going to have much better English than they did. Uh, I wasn't really able to get deep with them throughout the vast majority of the time that we were there. Uh, I could kind of help them by teaching English, but things would break down if I tried to go deeper. Um, and so really throughout most of the summer, there was a pretty serious language barrier. Uh, but as I was praying about how we could reach these students, <clears throat> I got this idea that we needed to host some sort of an outreach event where we allowed Spanish speakers from the church that we were partnered with to come in and share the gospel at the campus. And so I kind of got this idea of doing a thing kind of like the plunge, where it's just, okay, we're going to have an outdoor setting. It's going to be like live music. And then we're going to have somebody that can speak Spanish uh, share the gospel. And uh, there's a lot of reasons why that sounds actually like a terrible idea, if you think about it. Um, first off, we didn't have much time to plan or advertise by the time that I came up with this idea. Um, second, we had no ability to get a stage. We had no ability to get chairs. Like, there was no way to make this venue anything that, that would be welcoming. Uh, it would be hard to see whoever was speaking, all those, that kind of stuff. Uh, fourth, it was exam week, so a lot of people were just trying to get out of campus as soon as they could after that. And then fifth, and probably biggest, is that it rains pretty much every night in Honduras uh, during this season. It's the rainy season, um, which means you're pretty much always going to get sun in the morning, the afternoon, but it will always, pretty much always rain by evening. And so the idea of holding an outdoor event with a bunch of electronics uh, in a place that rains every night doesn't sound like a good idea. Um, but nonetheless, it was something that I thought was, was really important to do, and so we prayed about it, felt like God was continuing to tell us to go there, so we moved forward with it. 
And uh, the, the university just simply didn't have a room big enough to draw. This was a very university, very small university. And so we needed, we were hoping to draw a crowd of several hundred, and there was just no place in the university that could accommodate that. Um, so despite that we had all these reasons not to do it, uh, we prayed, asked God that, that he'd bless it, that we'd move forward with it, uh, and it actually went really well. I would say that the night of the uh, event was one of the most beautiful nights that we had over our time there. There was not a single raindrop that entire night. Um, it wasn't as hot during that time either that we had it, which it's usually like so hot you don't want to be outside and under us. Um, and there were probably about 200 students that, that came out to be a part of this event, and about 50 of them signed up to get more connected with the church that was there. So it, it was really cool to just like see how God blessed that as well, um, even though it was kind of a risk and in many ways looked like a terrible idea. It's something to do. All right, and then my fifth big one, I, I've already hit on this some, but I, it's too important, so I need to keep talking about it, uh, which is that God answers prayer. And you're like, yeah, I know God answers prayer, right? Um, as I said before, um, some of these things, they're not super deep new concepts. I'm not, I'm not really trying to give you new knowledge so much as I'm trying to help build faith in what you already know. Um, I think sometimes Christians think that growth is all about accumulating knowledge. And accumulating knowledge is really good. It's important. You, you need it. It's, it's hard to grow without doing that. Um, but the reason that you accumulate knowledge is always for something else, right? So, <clears throat> I mean, think about why you're in college right now. Are you in college just to accumulate knowledge? Are you going into tens of thousands of dollars of debt just to, just to accumulate knowledge? No, like, you're doing it because you want that knowledge to produce something. You, you want to act on it someday and use it in your career. And, and I think that with following Jesus and with studying the Bible, a lot of it's the same way. It's like it's vital that you're in college right now so that you can do, can do a good job at, at your work down the road. And it's vital that you study the scripture. But if you stop just at studying the scripture and you never put it into practice, that's like going to college and going into debt for all this and then never using the knowledge that you gained there. Um, and, and so my hope is that once we learn that we, we do, we apply what, what God says. And so... Um, I'm going to share with you my favorite story about answered prayer that we had over our trip there. There's so many prayers that God answered on this trip, and I could probably have spent the whole time just talking about that. Um, <clears throat> I mean, you start with the fact that God helped everyone raise the necessary funds to get there. He got us there and back safely. He worked through our weaknesses, all these other kind of things. He, he spoke to us about different things we should do. So many different things. Uh, he brought us Eduardo, Diego, a million other people. Um, but the, one of the, this was the coolest story, in my opinion. So uh, during the time that we were in the church, we got involved in these small groups. And uh, the small group that I got involved in uh, was, was a pretty active one. Like, they were kind of going through spiritual disciplines and stuff, so we would go and, like, practice whatever it was. Kind of like what we just did last semester with, with our uh, series about the church, where we would go and put those things into practice. That's somewhat of what they were doing with, with this small group. And so uh, one day we were supposed to go out and evangelize. And our small group met on Sunday afternoons at like three o'clock. But since it always rains in the afternoon slash evening there, the day we were supposed to go to the park to evangelize, it rained. And so we weren't able to go. And so we said, okay, well, instead of going this week, <clears throat> we'll go next week, but we're going to go in the morning. So we scheduled next Sunday morning. Church is on Saturday night there with this church. Next Sunday morning, uh, we're going to go out to the park and we're going to share the gospel with people at like 9 a.m. Okay. So next Sunday rolls around. 
and uh, we meet at the church, our small group, and first off, like, nobody comes, okay? Uh, you know, a lot of people are always excited to go do contact, like, stranger evangelism, right? Um, so almost no one is there. There's me, the other two gringos in our group, which are uh, Ethan Carley and Will Moses, uh, not Will Moses, Will Gergash. Uh, <laughs> Will Gergash. Uh, so th- there's us three, and then there's my small group leader, whose name is Charlie, and then one other guy that speaks only Spanish. So first off, none of us can communicate with each other, except for Will, who can kind of speak really bad Spanish. Um, <clears throat> and so we're sitting there. None of the English speakers, that, none of the bilingual people that were supposed to come actually came. Uh, the guy who was supposed to drive us to the park didn't come. Uh, so we had no means of getting to the park. We're waiting at the church for like 45 minutes and nothing is happening. And that's kind of normal for Honduras, but this was even getting ridiculous by their standards. So <clears throat> eventually I got Will to ask Charlie, do you want us to just like call our, our people and bring us over in the van that we rented? And he's like, yeah, let's do that. So I, I call <clears throat> Cass and, and her and Nick and a couple of others had gone out to buy groceries. And so they were already out. They're like, yeah, cool. Let us finish buying the groceries. We'll swing by and get you. So they swing by to get us. And as I said, there's no bilingual people in our group. So uh, Charlie asked Cassie if she can come along with us. Uh, and Cass was not prepared to come, but she decided that she was willing to. And um, so the six of us uh, get dropped off at the park. And uh, no, I want to read you something from my prayer journal, actually, that morning before we had gone out evangelizing. I was just thanking God for all these different things uh, that he had been doing. Um, And I I wrote here, I said, also, we're going evangelizing in the park today. Please lead us to the right people. Give us courage and faith. Give us the words we need. Help us to listen to you and speak what you have to say to others. Uh, I love you, God, and I thank you for hearing my prayers. Um, so I just was praying that God would specifically lead us to the right people. And I think we do that all the time when we evangelize, but I don't know, like, if we always mean it, you know? And I was, I was really asking, like, God, I, I really want you to lead us to the right people, especially because, like, I have no idea why I'm even going. I speak only English, and I'm going to a park. There's very few bilingual people in Choloteca, uh, so I'm probably not going to find an English speaker to share the gospel with at the park. None of our bilingual people are coming, so I feel like I'm just going to walk around like an idiot and kind of just be an, I don't know, be an amusement or an attraction to help draw people in. Uh, I have no idea what God wants to do with these gringos going to try and share the gospel in, in the park here. Um, so we get dropped off, and within 30 seconds of getting dropped off, this woman walks up to Charlie, our small group leader, and starts talking to him. And it turns out that she's showing him these medical bills that, that have to be paid. And so essentially she's asking for money. And now, living around here, I get asked for money all the time. Um, and uh, it's no different in Honduras. If you're a white person in Honduras, you're going to get asked for money all the time. Um, and so I'm used to people trying to take advantage of me or scam me or different things like that. And so I always ask to try and like, figure out how I can meet their actual need rather than just giving them money. And uh, so she claims, this woman was claiming that she had a, a, grand, a, a grandchild that was just born. Her daughter, who was 15, had just had a baby. And uh, there were some complications. It was born about a month premature. And uh, they, they, two months premature, okay, very premature. Um, and they needed some help with paying for these tests that they couldn't afford. This is a very poor family. I'm talking like they, the girl, the mom sleeps on the floor, like in the dirt. Um, and so we're like, okay, uh, can we go to the hospital and, and see the baby? She's like, yeah, come on. 
So we, we go over to the hospital. This, this woman that we met, the grandmother, her name is Luz, which means light. And uh, we go over to the hospital, and uh, at first they weren't going to let us in. Um, we were, I don't know why they're so restrictive about who goes. It's, it's the craziest thing. There's like this guard at these doors to get into the baby area. Any other area you can get into, but with the babies, they have like this guy guarding the area. And like, I don't know. It reminds me of like Monty Python and the Holy Grail, like having to... to Passed the test of, of crossing the bridge. But like, what, I don't know what you do to get in there, uh, but, but for whatever reason, this guy wouldn't, didn't want to let us in. And uh, Charlie, our small group leader who's on Durin, is up there speaking to them, and they're not letting him in. It's, it looks like we're not going to be able to go. And then finally, all of a sudden, everything just changed, and they let us in. <laughs> and we're like, what just happened? Uh, what'd you do? He's like, oh, I didn't do anything. They just saw that you were gringos. Um, <laughs> so, so, so they let us back because we were white. But um, so, so anyway, we, we, we go back there, and, and uh, the, we're, we're back there in the NICU, and um, I got the opportunity to, to go in and to pray for these babies, which uh, the nurses were really thankful for. They were really excited that someone wanted to come in and pray for the babies. Um, and I got to see this little baby. His name, his name was Henesis, which is Genesis. Um, and... Uh, the, the baby was, was really cute, but born with some severe, like, problems. Uh, the baby had, like, no arms, really, just kind of like stubs. Um, also, there were some serious problems with the genitals. They actually didn't even know if it was a boy or a girl, so that was one of the tests that they needed, was to try and figure out what the sex of the baby was. Um, so there was this doctor in there that was able to speak English. He was kind of explaining to me what was going on. I'm like, okay, like, this is definitely a real need. Like, this is, this is something that we want to to meet. So uh, we hang out with this family for a couple hours, um, find them a clinic that can go and do these tests because the hospital wasn't able to. And over this time, we're getting to hang out with Luce, this grandmother. And so I asked her uh, through Cassie or Charlie, I don't, or not through Charlie, through Cassie, the only translator we had there, um, what, just kind of like what her story was, like it, if she was a Christian, anything else like that. And uh, this woman had just become a Christian one year ago. And uh, she had been, when this happened, she had just been praying, like she knew that there was nothing she could do, so she just prayed, like, God, please send us help, and she went to the park and waited for the help to come that God was going to send. <laughs> An hour later, we showed up, like we were the answer to the prayer that, that she had prayed for, for God to send help. It was incredible, um, and so, you know, it was funny because I, I thought that I had nothing to offer going there. I, I don't speak the right language. But one thing I did have to offer was money that could pay for the, these things that the baby needed. And so it, it was so cool because God like, answered my prayer that he would lead us to the right person as I prayed that morning. And God answered Luce's prayer that he would send the help that she was looking for. It, it was crazy how all of the timing worked out with this too because as I said, remember, we were supposed to go evangelizing the week before. This baby wasn't even born the week before. This baby had been born like two days before we, we met them. So for all they knew, the, the baby was going to go to full term. They had no idea. Yet now there was this new person in the world um, that, that didn't even, wasn't even out of the womb in the, in the time that we were supposed to go evangelizing. Uh, we went at exactly the right time that we would, would go and meet this woman. I mean, even if we had left on time when we were supposed to, who knows if we ever would have run into Luz or if we would have gotten to different places. And so it was, it was crazy the way that God made all of this stuff work together. Um, 
and that, that we got to just build a relationship with these people. And my, I know that my faith was greatly strengthened by this, um, just in seeing the way that God worked, and then also getting to meet the physical needs that this family had. And I know that, I mean, I can only imagine the, the wonders that this worked for Luce's faith, that God had sent an answer to her prayer from 3,000 miles away in the United States uh, to come and meet this need that, that she had. Um, so it, it's cool. Uh, God, God is just awesome. There's, there's so many things. I feel like I could sit up here for the next several hours and share with you story after story of, of God doing this or God doing that or our prayer being answered here, being led here. Um, but yeah, if you want to hear more stuff, I'm, you can talk to me or Cass or, or whoever else that was on the trip. But um, my hope this morning was that I've uh, been able to show you a little bit more of how awesome God is. You know, like if, if you're more in love with God, if you're more in awe of who he is, then I think I've accomplished what, like, what, what I was hoping was going to happen this morning. Um, and just seeing that, man, as you grow as a Christian, so much of it is it's very important for us to learn and to know and to take in the Bible, but then it's also important for us to go and apply and experience. And uh, when you get to experience God working and, and doing some of the things that his scripture talks about, You'll, you'll really find your faith grow to new depths. Um, if I could sum up Honduras just quickly, I would say I fell more in love with God. Like, I fell more in love with God, my faith is stronger, and I trust him to work more. I expect him to work more. And so, um, yeah, it's just, it's really cool. In closing, the last two things I want to share with you, two final thoughts. Um, one is just that, that we're one family. It, the, the church is so cool. Like, I, I don't think we're thankful enough for the church a lot of the time. Um, not just our church here, which I'm super thankful for, but, like, you are a part of an international brotherhood um, that, that you literally, you have brothers and sisters all across the globe that you don't even know, uh, but that you are tied together with. You are sons and daughters of God along with them, and that you're united in one gospel. And that was so cool to see. You know, we come down to this church that's thousands of miles away, and uh, that we're united in the same purpose, that we serve the same God, we have the same Holy Spirit living within us. We're able to collaborate together on a lot of these kinds of things. That whole thing with uh, Luz and, and Henesis, uh, that was a collaboration effort. The, the outreach event I was talking, a collaboration effort. All these different things, it was, God, God used his church to work together. Um, and I just think it's such a blessing to be a part of that, that family. And then finally, the, the last thing would be that uh, repentance is an invitation. Um, one of the things that, that God taught me this summer was that repentance needs to be a regular part of your life. And that, that can look a lot of different ways depending on how you need to repent, okay? Uh, as I read Experiencing God, one of the last chapters that we read in there, it was called Returning to God. And uh, you just kind of listed some things about repenting in areas that you might need to. And so I took some time to just pray through and be like, Lord, like, what are the areas where I need to repent? And he gave me some areas where I needed to repent. Um, but one, one of them was not, not doing what he says right when he says it. And, and sure enough, because he brought that to my attention, that's why I got to do the prayer thing that I told you about earlier. Um, so, so maybe it's something like that. You know, may, maybe it's not even a, something that you would see as blatant sin or whatever, but you just need to, to repent of the fact that you're, you're not really obeying God very faithfully. You know, maybe you need to repent of the fact that you're just not even listening for him. You know, maybe you're not even giving him the chance to speak. Maybe you say that you want him to speak, but, but in your heart and your mind, you, you really don't trust that he will or care that he will. 
maybe you need to change in that. Um, maybe there is some sin in your life that you're harboring that, that you need to repent of. You know, the Lord brought to me, uh, there wasn't any sort of overt, dastardly, obvious sin that I was hiding in the closet. Um, but, but there were little areas where I was realizing I'm, I'm compromising in righteousness. You know, I, I'm, not, I'm not quite being truly pure in my thoughts. You know, I'm not, uh, whatever it might, might be, just, I would encourage you to really ask God and expect that he's going to respond to you and ask him, like, Lord, cleanse me. Like, I, I really pray that you would. Tell me, show me where I need to repent. If, that's, if that means cutting some sin out, then, then of course, yeah. If that means that I just need to take following you more seriously, that I need to expect that, that you're going to speak more, that I need to respond more when you do speak, then cool, let, let that be your repentance. And then go, and, and the next time the Lord tells you to do something, act on it. Because I'll tell you, following Jesus is an adventure. Like, it's exciting. When people say that Christianity is boring, it's because they're constantly neglecting their relationship with the Lord. And they're not listening for him. They're not expecting him to move. They're not seeing when he does. They don't listen when he tells them. They, they become calloused, and Christianity becomes boring. It becomes a ritual. But when it's actually a relationship, like what it was designed to be, it's a, it's a vibrant and exciting relationship. And so uh, let, let's pray. And uh, over the, this next worship set, I would just ask you, really, ask the Lord, God, what do you want to teach me? Where do you want me to grow? Where do I need to repent? Let's pray. Um, Lord, we love you so much, um, and I thank you that uh, you love us, that we're your children, and that, that you speak to your children, and that you want your children to grow, that you want your children to come and be close to you. God, what a privilege. Lord, I pray that, that you would restore us who are broken. God, that, that you would renew uh, uh, an upright spirit within us that, that loves you and just pursues you with everything we are, God. I, I pray that you'd take us to new depths in our relationship with you that we didn't know were possible before. I pray that we wouldn't just settle for where we are right now and think things are always going to be the same, God, but that we'd always be growing deeper with you. God, tie us always to the truth. I, pr I pray that we would, would really learn to hear your voice and think about how Jesus said uh, that, that he's the good shepherd and that uh, his sheep know his voice. Lord, let us know your voice. I pray that we learn to, to hear it more and more clearly in our lives. You're so, so good to us. We love you, God. All glory and honor and praise belongs to you. So Lord, we lift up our worship to you. We lift up our prayers to you. We pray that you would speak us and, and guide us. We are your church, God, and we're at your disposal. So speak to us and do with us what you wish. Uh, we love you, Lord, and we pray this in your son's awesome name. Amen.